Hi, I'm Kat. Hi, I'm Naomi. Hi, I'm April. Hi, I'm Rachel, and we are sophomores in the Humanities House, and welcome to our podcast on media, technology, and the effects that they have on the current state of the humanities. Our, f- our main focus will be the contributions of art and technology in our ever-changing field. Our first topic will be a discussion about technology and how it is impacting us in today's society. The first question I'd like to open to the group is whether or not technology is ruining the way that we interact with each other. I don't think that technology is ruining the way we interact, and I argue for the use of it. My main thing is that people don't understand having balance and realizing that too much of one thing is never good, and that applies to technology as well. I think technology has had so many benefits to our society, from its scientific uses to the way we use it for entertainment and efficiency. Technology has made a mark in today's society, a positive mark. Like everything, we must learn how to balance our use of it, meaning not totally abusing it, but not ignoring its benefits either. When used correctly and appropriately, it's given us results people from generations before us have only dreamed of. To draw off what Kat said, I do think technology has a lot of benefits, especially the way that it allows people from all over to communicate, and that can range from your family and friends who may not live in the same area as you, to even being able to communicate with people across the world. That way you can you know, share information and the spread of knowledge. And I also think with that, the spread of education, so the spread of human rights activism, as well as different kinds of feminism, so that different cultures can impact each other in the way that progress is made throughout them. Do you think that the use of technology has different implications within other cultures? Well, I think the cultural divide is dictated by the different technological possibilities available and what people are allowed to use. And in Europe, for example, the Internet is used for connecting business, and the Internet of Things is making rapid inroads um, into a number of uh, industries already. In areas of other regions, for instance, in both Africa and Russia, um, there simply isn't uh, the connectivity space, or in some cases, connection capability to make this happen. So people have to be more innovative um, and whilst meeting the needs of the user. How has technology changed the way that we think? I think on the more negative side, technology has changed a lot of the way we think. For instance, in the way that we hang out with one another, I think there's a lot less living in the moment, a lot more, you know, you see a group of friends and everyone's on their phone, rather than taking the time to actually talk to each other or thinking up actual activities to do. And I think sort of with that, there's a lack of a creative aspect, particularly in children. So like when you were a kid and you went outside to play, you sort of had to think up games to do. But now I think a lot of children play more on their phones or play more video games. There's a lot less of that creative aspect. And with that, also a lot less of physical activity. So versus playing outside, running around, doing different games, there's a lot more sitting on the couch playing, you know, your PS3 or your Game Boy or anything like that. And then I think another big negative thing that's been growing a lot throughout this country is cyberbullying and the way that people use technology to hurt one another and the sort of idea that we can hide behind a screen and don't have to face consequences in the same way that we would have to if it was in real life and the sort of inescapability of it, whereas if you were bullied in school, you can kind of come home and get away from that, but when it's on the internet, everyone can see it and you can always go back and look at it and they can always sort of reach you even when they're not actually physically around you. So with the humanities in particular, how have you guys seen technology to be either directly beneficial or harmful? An example of how technology is benefiting the humanities is while we're at the MoMA, 
One of the first things that me and Kat noticed was that each piece of art came with a link to the playlist made by the museum. And we were both surprised that it wasn't a music playlist. Instead, it was an informational piece about the background of the art that overall enhances the experience of the museum. Yeah, technology has helped artwork and music and literature, and therefore their messages reach higher audiences a lot. For example, like people who normally wouldn't go to a library or have the means to go to a concert or a museum like MoMA can access all this information using technology. Like Rachel said before, I think it lends a hand to like creating a more informed public. The bad side of that is that the information can also be used negatively or like information can be portrayed negatively. So like in terms of cyberbullying and things like that. And the harm is that people are always buying and viewing fewer texts and CDs and artwork and stuff like that physically and are using more online sources to find text. So places like bookstores are running out of like, are running out of profit or not making profit or their purposes aren't being served the way that they normally would be. I think this is a really good segue into our next topic, which is the movie Black Panther where one of the main conflicts in the movie is rooted behind technology and people not having access to it and whether or not that technology should be shared across the world. But before we get too far into that, I think that we should all go around and say one of our um, favorite things in the movie or something that we thought was a particularly interesting. One thing about the movie that I thought was particularly interesting was that this was something that I hadn't seen from Marvel yet. For about 30 minutes, we all thought T'Challa was dead, and the idea that the director would kill off the main character was crazy to me. The suspense and tension from that was palpable within the movie theater. The whole experience collectively was a great one. And I think, like, along the idea with another death, which is the death of Killmonger, I think the death of him was um, approached in a very different way than a lot of Marvel movies approach death, because I feel like you could really empathize with him and you were kind of supposed to mourn him when he died, which you don't always get from a lot of characters, like even taking Loki from the Thor movies. Loki gets a million second chances and kind of tends to mess them all up. You're but right. he still keeps getting them. <laughs> but then with Killmonger, he just dies. Like, he doesn't get those second chances. And I think even though a lot of the way that he, you know, went about his motives weren't the greatest, I do think that he's a character that you can empathize with a little bit more than some of the characters that do get to live. And so I think it, it's you know, in a way, kind of unfortunate that, you know, he dies and you don't really get to see, you know, any sort of growth with him any further on. Yeah, I agree with you guys in that Marvel did things differently, but what I think they did differently was, like, the representation of black people, though it's not, like, impossible and it's, like, not never been done before. I think it's very rare that you see so many black people represented so differently in this type of light by a big company like Marvel, like for example, the Dora Milaje and the great representation of like strong black women that they give without them having to be like single mothers or hyper masculine, even though they're like warriors or abuse survivors or any of the usual stereotypes that they have for like strong black women. I just found that so empowering and beautiful. And I think Marvel did that great. Yeah. And one of the things I really liked about the movie was when they were in um, South Korea, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're having the fight scene. And uh, Koya has to wear this wig when they first go yeah, into the, she rips um, it the area. And she's so mad that she has to wear that stupid <laughs> wig. And then when they're in there, like, she just rips it off because yeah. she doesn't need to wear a wig to make herself like, look 
in this sort of almost westernized idea of like beauty standards to yeah. fight like she could just be her natural self yeah. and still be a badass and I really like that about yeah. that and I like that they show that she's not any less beautiful like of course her beauty is defined by herself and what she thinks of her but like she literally also has a man in the movie who like basically gives up everything and is like I quit fighting for her because like I just found that amazing Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next I think that we should talk about the different approaches of sharing resources between um, the way that Killmonger approached things and the way that Nakia approached things. Yeah. Both Nakia and Killmonger have brought up the idea of sharing Wakanda and resources with the rest of the world because they believed others would really benefit from it. However, the discrepancies came from the intentions behind the idea. Killmonger was motivated by rage and by revenge. However, Nakia's proposal was a lot more pure and altruistic by nature. That's like a perfect example of how the idea of balance is important to such big things and things that have such a huge effect, such as technology. I think it very well depends on the intention that people have with using it. So like Killmonger had negative intentions. Of course, he wanted to empower his community, but he didn't want to empower his community to like make a positive change. He wanted them to have weapons to basically take over. And Nakia wanted to give out those resources that Wakanda had, like namely, what is it, vibranium? Mm -hmm. Like Nakia wanted to give out those resources that Wakanda had to help people and help people better themselves and not use it to fight against others. And I think that in our society, we've made like great advancements with technology, but we've also used it for trivial things and for things that have made us lazy. And we've started using technology to make things easier for ourselves and have masked it by calling it efficiency. Like, that's not a crime to use it to make it easier for ourselves, but it does become, like, it does become counterproductive when we don't really do anything for ourselves anymore. And I think this very much relates to the reason why all the previous Black Panthers and T'Challa even for a while in the beginning didn't want to share Wakanda's technology with the rest of the world. They weren't sure what intentions people would have, like people like Killmonger, and if they would use it to spread positivity and grow, or if they would use it to benefit themselves and harm others. And I think this dialogue in the movie is also expressed through like the opposing energies of Killmonger and Nakia. And I think it's kind of like maybe a criticism on our world and like our society and the way we use technology. So to start the transition from the Black Panther into talking about the New York trip and the MoMA, I wanted to bring up the scene in Black Panther where Eric Killmonger is about to steal an African mask on display in the museum because it has vibranium in it and he's planning on using that to build weaponry. So in this scene, he questions one of the workers about the painting's origins, even though he's already aware of where it comes from. And he uses the excuse of him taking back what was stolen from his ancestors as justification from robbing the museum. Mm -hmm. I feel like Killmonger's actions was like a direct result and an example of like black culture and black history basically being hijacked by other like specifically white countries. I think this seems this attempts to this tends to happen a lot in like America in general where just other cultures and other people's cultures are just seen through the lens of someone who's not them or someone who doesn't understand the experience. I think this kind of relates to an artwork that we saw in MoMA, and it was the Black experience being told by a Black person, but it was in a negative light. It was through a Eurocentric light. It was through the light of like the way white people used to see and may see Black people still. The artist was an African-American painter named Robert Colescott. 
The piece that Naomi and I saw depicted black people as monkeys and caricatures, just like in the days of minstrelsy. It got me to think why that image was the image of the black experience in black culture that the museum decided to depict. And it also got me to think why in Black Panther, why these paintings that displayed like tribal masks and things, although they are a part of the culture, why they were what was chosen to be displayed as if there weren't other depictions of black culture that could be used. I feel like this view, this narrow-minded view on other cultures is very negative and harmful. I think Okoye and many of the other characters in Black Panther were better examples of the black experience. It seems to be that whenever black people are depicted, like I mentioned before, they're always downtrodden or abused or the victim. But Black Panther, though it was fantasy, showed that them being normal and them doing what any other characters are able to do in film and art. And I think that's what one of the things that was really special about it. Well, thank you, Kat, for sharing that. And now to move on to the rest of the New York trip um, and tie everything a little bit back to the humanities. What were some takeaways that you guys had from the trip? Um, I think the importance of the humanities to us as a people was like very evident and like the number of people who showed up to look at the art and the number of people who brought their kids along with them. And I think this lasting impact that these act these artists have had on history centuries later is something to be noticed and something to be said about the humanities as well and how things like art and literature and things like that, they never really die. And even if it's through the use of technology or like if it's in the physical form, these things always stay with us and they always impact people. And what were some other things that you guys enjoyed or you felt very strongly about um, I really enjoyed the High Line. I feel like it's necessary every now and then to step back from technology and from your everyday life to just enjoy like the simple things and the nature that's around us, like things that we usually overlook. Yeah, I feel that. I enjoyed New York in general. I just feel like the amount of culture and beauty that we saw in one day was like an overload. It was just like what they truly call it, like a melting pot. Um, I think MoMA is a nice museum. Um, besides the art pieces from a variety of different artists like Van Gogh and Dali, um, as the only artists I know in the MoMA, I found that the works of other artists are also very attractive, especially Bruce Nauman's creation, which named Disappearing X. And what were some things that you guys felt like you really learned throughout going on this trip? Um, I learned that we should try not to be consumed by pre-existing negative attitudes. I know a lot of people didn't want to actually go to the trip and they like they thought that there were better ways to spend their Saturdays. But I feel like you should view every given experience as a chance to grow and learn. And also that it's both fundamental and necessary to take time to really enjoy things like art and nature because we as a culture usually overlook the beauty of these things on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I second that. Yeah, I really agree with that too. I think like, especially because we're up in here in stores and it's so isolated and there's Cow not country. much going on, it's really good to like take time to go into the city where there is so much you know, I mean, we have like our own art museums here and everything, but yeah. I think there is a lot um, to be said about New York and all the different things that it has to offer. Yeah. So thank you everyone for sharing um, that. And thank you to the audience for listening in and everyone for sharing their thoughts. And now we'd like to leave you with one last final thought to think about. So out of all the things we talked today, one of the most, I think, pressing things was how far we've come as a culture and as a way that we depict people, particularly people of color. So I just want to leave you with the question, how do you feel like 
at least in America, we've progressed in terms of how you know we depict people of color and what kind of art and visualizations do we idolize and how can we go forward from there.